daily podcast where we discuss movie titanic minute by minute i'm your co-host rob and joined as always by my good friends joe and duff hello ahoy uh and guys it's wednesday we have a heart of the ocean a heart of the ocean today is andy grozelski from mondalucha welcome andy hey guys thanks a lot for having me this is uh, a thrill to be on the show <laughs> Thank you for being I, that, here. I know that actually. I mean, I, I hope that sounded genuine because it is. Oh, I, I, it's it's. I was gonna say you're kind of part of our Milwaukee contingent of uh, of listeners and fans of our uh, of our nonsense. <laughs> no, I've 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 truly loved like uh, Tombstone, and then uh, this Titanic thing is completely crazy and fun. So. <laughs> I haven't listened to all minutes, but I've listened to uh, a lot, and I listened to a lot today, so oh, I'm awesome. caught up. But in this minute today, the minute we're talking about uh, is minute 163. In this minute, the stern is vertical. <laughs> I don't really know what else to... This is the Plinko minute. Yeah. <laughs> What's that music that plays in Plinko? No, not Plinko. What's the one of the guy in in Price's Right? The little, the little, the little climber like the guy. Yodeling guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, gosh. Um, yeah, he has like later hosen on. He's kind of like a like Jack, a Jack and horn. Rose. Like a Jack and Rose horn. are the yodeling guy. Yeah. And ever all the other people are the Plinko chips. Yeah. What is that one called? The, those know. are the two best games in Price's Right. Right. Like no doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Cliffhanger. <laughs> is that what it's called? Uh, cliffhangers is the uh, oh okay is the game, yeah. Oh man! All right, so um, this minute starts with uh, uh, Jack helps pull Rose over the rail, and in this minute he does say, "I got you, I won't let go," which is obviously hint, 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 and a callback too, Joe. Because he's, he's looking at both directions. Yeah, that's right. This is, uh, you know, where they first met. And uh, so I, I was going to say to the very, literally the very end, Jack is the most supportive, nice boyfriend ever. Yes. Manic, manic pixie dreamboat to the end. Well, to be fair, he only had to do it for two days. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 this, this, is, this is the this is the no. Let's just let, this is where we let Rob talk. Just go okay. on. What do you mean? This is this is the biggest like thing about like Jack or these summer flings and movies or anything. Like, oh, he's so great for a day and a half. Like, I can do that. I can do that for a day and a half. First dates, second dates, that's fine. What do you think Jack and Rose look like at year twenty? That's so the this big is question. well, we know what so, one of them looks like. <laughs> so this is basically like the the intro to Greece. Uh, before the credits where they're on the beach and Travolta's faking that he's not a greaser. Yeah. That's essentially it. I mean, this is no time has passed. Oh, Jack, sure. Jack was polite I, enough to die before he could get erectile dysfunction or lose his hair. Or show Thanks. all his faults. Uh, that he he drowned before Rose had to deal with his model railroad collection. <laughs> Um, all right, so now 
now the ship, it's, it's you know, the stern's coming up, and now... There's, there's not much ship above water anymore. No, and, and as Joe called it, the Plinko Hour begins on the... <laughs> and it, I, I, having looked at this particular minute getting ready for the show, I felt like the, the Plinko Hour <laughs> began... Um, I'm convinced that this is the only reason James Cameron wanted to make this movie. <laughs> I agree. Just this minute, he wanted to just get to the set piece and, you know, focus on this carnage. I mean, he's just, he's fascinated with technology over story and almost everything he does. And sure. yeah, I think this is like what he had in his head when he started out and then he just had to kind of back this vanilla romance movie you know onto all of his little his little toys he could screw around screw around with like filmmaking wise i think yeah. that he made i think he made a bet with himself and number 1 we we know that he wanted to go deep sea diving to the titanic but I do think that the uh, the other major drive in this was he want, made a game or a bet with himself. How much money can I get a major studio to give me? <laughs> and, yeah, I I kind of believe that. Like, I, I mean, it's you know, I'm sure. I mean, James Cameron is definitely craven. I can imagine him sort of being like, "Well, the only way they'll make this is if it's a love story," and yeah. just sort of like, as you said, tacking that on just to be able to do like all right now i get to film what it was like when the titanic sunk which is an insane it's just such an insane like endeavor to take on (laughs) yeah with no major stars with no major stars yeah in uh so i have like a a film background as well as all the other weird stuff i do so i you know i was pretty well read even on james cameron when i was a teenager well in advance of titanic and you know like i loved probably well like both terminators and gosh uh aliens Aliens. i think is good yeah yeah after that it's all just sort of synthetic i've weirdness i've never even seen avatar do you Um, (laughs) Do you like True Lies? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I bet if you went back and watched it now, like there's almost no way it holds up in any way. There are the, some uncomfortable the, sequences. The yeah. set piece, extremely. The, the set pieces, and I mean the action sequences yes. in True Lies are great. Yeah, they are. Uh, the bridge stuff is great. Tom Arnold is great. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, he actually is pretty, it's, still pretty funny. He's, in it. He makes a great. Uh, funny sidekick. Is he the but, best of the funny sidekicks of all in, time? In all yeah, time. let's let's riff on that for a little bit. What? Mm. Wh- wh- oh where does gosh. he rank in the comic sidekick game? All right, so it has oh, to be a drama. Yeah. It has to be like an action film with a sidekick. Yeah, like the comic yeah. relief guy. There's always one of those. I mean, Forty-eight uh, hours. I mean, Eddie Murphy sort of yeah. like puts yeah. himself on a thirty-five plus year map. Just from yeah. one movie, I guess. Yeah, Not quite are... in the same realm, but no, Sala, no. Sala in Raiders of Lost Ark and Crusade is pretty good. Not yeah. not quite as funny, but still yeah. in that neighborhood. Yeah, Comic good. relief. Uh, so this is a really a really small part, but uh, in uh, in Jackie Brown, I love Chris Tucker as Beaumont. 
at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's good. <laughs> Doesn't he get, like, killed and thrown in a trunk, like, 20 yes. minutes into the movie? Yes, yeah. I know. But he absolutely steals the show when he's in it. Well, think about question. how hard it must be to be t- Arnold Schwarzenegger's comic sidekick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, although maybe is that almost easier because, you know, you have such a straight, straight man. But at that time, he was such a huge star that, like... Easily the biggest star in the world at that time. It was either him or Tom Cruise. Like, think about it. Okay, and speaking of Tom Cruise, like, now Simon Pegg is basically doing that role in the Mission Impossible movies. And Simon Pegg is really talented and really funny, but those he's not very good in those movies. Yeah, you not. I mean, yeah. like, like Tom Cruise is is just as kind of wooden and famous as Arnold Schwarzenegger is, but Simon Pegg can't really make it work very well. Uh, does Chewbacca count? <laughs> what about the? Uh, uh, I'll allow it. What about the one-two punch of Die Hard with uh, the guy in the limousine and uh, the cop? On oh, the Argyle, Argyle, and oh, uh, oh, Reginald. What's Reginald? Carl name Winslow. In that Carl Winslow. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. Is it Reginald Vell Johnson? Uh, yes. I think he has like Al, a real Al like Powell. A, that's the character's name. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, oh, they kind of they did now. that in like you know between two people. That's an interesting. You know, split the workload. Hovering around Bruce uh, Willis. I like how we've thought of uh, 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 a space dog in Chewbacca and then all black characters in Tom Arnold so far. <laughs> for would, our... uh, <laughs> so would like Tango and Cash, would that be, were they comic relief to each other? Yeah, buddy uh, cops are different. I don't know. How, like, Tango, I'm not sure. Okay. Like, I, I have a lot I could say about Tango and Cash. Please okay. do. Go. Um, <laughs> Tango and Cash, number one, it's too much. Every, <laughs> what do you like, every, mean? Well, because if you watch Tango and Cash, like first of all, every line is a zinger, and it's just overbearing. And, Why do you know Tango and Cash so well? Uh, because it's I actually really watched. I actually watched it for the first time a few months ago. And oh, I was, okay. And I was actually number one amazed at how Stallone and Kurt Russell are constantly trying to one up each other. And then I'm sure you're shocked to know it comes off as incredibly gay. It is one of the <laughs> it is one of the gayest movies I've ever seen. So I, I've had this discussion with other friends um, in that kind of era of movies, in that like for the big male action stars or male movie stars of kind of that window of time, I think much like an actress going topless, there would be the man's like bare ass shot. Oh, yeah. They would yeah. try exactly. to shoehorn into the movie of just like, hey, ladies, here's some, you know, beefcake, um, you know, glamour ass shot. And there's a, a double Kurt Russell, Sylvester Stallone ass shot in a prison shower in that movie. Yes. That's like uh, clearly like as, shot... As- it's not shot incidentally. It's shot as like here's the showcase of their asses. I'm sh- We're going I'm to sure serve Stallone, it up for people. I'm sure that one of them had it in their contract that, hey, Stallone worked out really hard. He wants his ass in this movie, and then yeah, I'm sure Kurt, like that movie did with Sharon Stone too. It's it's in there. Yeah, we referenced and, it on uh, a different episode. I think I'm what trying to again? remember, uh, uh, Andy. What's I've only seen this once, but like there's some really, even by the standards of that movie, really homoerotic dialogue in that shower scene where they're literally comparing dicks. 
Like, I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. No, it's so over the top. I mean, we could probably do an entirely separate podcast just about Jack Palance in that movie. <laughs> Sorry, two others I thought of um, would be Charles Grodin in Midnight Run. Oh. Yeah. That's like a and top shelf. I mean, that's yeah. as good as it gets right there. I'm, I'm yeah. embarrassed that I've never actually seen that. Whoa. It's really good. I and then... And then uh, Val Kilmer and uh, Tombstone Minute. I mean, Tombstone, not Tombstone Minute, but Tombstone, Tombstone is as, <laughs> as Doc Holliday. That's a funny sidekick. I mean, he's also serious, but I mean, he's hilarious in the movie too. So if that counts, I've uh, I've got one for. <laughs> so Sly Stone, I think, just uniquely gets some bad sidekicks in movies, and I it, I didn't remember until like doing a little browsing here. That uh, does anyone remember his comic relief and uh, Stallone's version of Judge Dredd? Oh, oh uh, God. Rob Schneider. Yes, I do. Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he might yeah. be the worst. Oh, and and actually, Jar Jar is, is the worst ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun fact. It better this be fun. The... Yeah, it's fun. Uh, so this obviously was shot on that 80-foot poop deck that I told you about that they could you know, change the angle on. So when it was set completely vertical, Kate and Leo, the actors are up there strapped in cabled in and they will be up there for a while because it's obviously difficult to like go back up there. So, uh, uh, Kate Winslet had in her, like that giant coat, she had a bunch of stuff for makeup. And so, (laughs) So that when like so people wouldn't have to come up there, she would do her makeup and Jack's uh, and Leo's makeup up there between oh, sets, between that's shots. Nice. <laughs> they seem like, like really good friends. Yeah, the like Jack and Leo BFF thing is kind of th- the most delightful thing ever. So now, uh, I, I I do enjoy this moment where Rose um, asks what is happening because I love how he's like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that was the one of the odd things I, you know, th- because there's I, not much to hang on to, like, uh, you know, I guess pun intended, like yeah. in this scene. <laughs> um, uh, well, and because but yeah, up and until the, now, you, yeah, the fact that she's asking him like, what's going to happen next? It's just like you're on a sinking ship. Like, yeah, anything well, goes. You just saw this like break in half. He gave the impression up until a couple seconds ago that he did know because, like, we have to get as far up as possible. We have to stay in the ship as long as possible. And then Rose says, what happens now? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. He still does. He has, like, a little air of confidence, though, of just, like, we're going to ride this down He's to the water line positive. and then figure it out from there. Always positive, that, Jack. Yeah, he is for all two days they were together. Do you, uh, do you think? Uh, do you guys think that this particular scene, this is the crux of getting that massive box office? Because this is what sort of lured in like the boyfriends and the husbands and the male audiences to go along with this, because they knew they were going to see, you know, people banging into a smokestack. And then the girls knew they were going to see some banging in the cargo hold huh huh (laughs) yes uh yeah i mean i think it definitely yeah and i'm too young to like uh, at that age to like you know have that thought i mean i guess i could not really i guess i was 
I, that's not true. I we was were, 14. We were 14, 15. Uh, yeah. It is an easier sell, though, when it's sort of like, yeah, it's a cool action film. You're like, yeah. oh, that's better than, like, Must Love Dogs or whatever. <laughs> well, it's it's a pretty – I mean, it's a good sell to guys when you can say, hey, it's a – you know, it's a it's a romance, but you know, it's on the Titanic, and it's the guy who did Terminator. So yeah, like, oh, and okay. there's nudity. The I looked up the original theatrical trailer, and this particular sequence is the last forty seconds of that trailer. Oh yeah, and it's around like a four minute trailer. So the big sell at the end is is this minute that we're talking about. So they're, honestly, they're putting I it all think, on that. I think that the big sell the initial success was just the subject of titanic titanic is just this mix of you know it's it's the man's hubris it's the unsinkable ship and then just loss of life and i mean people are attracted to disasters and disaster movies in general it's a pretty safe box office bet with that said it i don't see this becoming the biggest movie of all time for a solid decade plus without the the love story yeah for and, sure and but we, the hook the hook was in though with with the with you know a titanic film by james cameron so continuing on in this minute guys this this boat's now 90 degrees it's in the air people are falling down splinko hour big hits bone crunching sounds um duff you mentioned this yesterday but that um People did get hurt doing this. I didn't know this, but you said it was because they were running into each other, not anything else. Uh, and, and apparently Cameron finally at one point decided he had to do some of this with special effects because it was just too dangerous. Um, so I want to talk about how they did this. This is the toilet paper shot uh, that Joe mentioned earlier. But what they did is they, you know, they had motion capture of people jumping outside into mats. And then they did motion capture of people sliding down wearing motion capture suits. And then, uh, then they put those digital stunt men in some of these shots, which is very common now, but at the time this was done, you know, it, it was not common. So one of these shots, the one where the guy fall, like you essentially watch him fall from essentially the top all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what they called the toilet paper shot, and it's because what they would do, and it's the it's hilarious to watch like the behind the scenes stuff. But they had a roll of toilet paper, and they would just hand it from like stuntman to extra up. They would just hand them everyone hand this toilet paper up, and it was one guy's job to like let go of the toilet paper, so it would fall way down, and then they use that toilet paper roll as where to put the guy at as he's falling. So like that's where they huh. digitally composed the you know the motion capture they had done. So previously. they would follow the path of it? Yes. And that was just the marker. <laughs> yeah, it was just their marker, yeah. yeah. So that's just a roll of toilet paper that was <laughs> 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 that was being dropped from like, you know, eighty feet up or whatever. Do you think it was two ply? <laughs> do you think Cameron sure Cam- Cameron, do you think Cameron sprang to- for the good stuff? Yeah, I bet he did. Or was it the the scratchy stuff you get from uh, Sam's Club? No, oh, I hope not. I bet you he he paid extra. Uh, do you guys have anything else on this actual minute? Nope. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a sort of a crystallization of. I th- I just think what the movie is, what James Cameron is all about, and you know, and like it's going minute by minute in talking about a film it's almost like not much happens and everything happens in this one 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if we just had this minute and nothing else, like, there's so much to talk about. I mean, just because you're right. It is sort of we have Jack and Rose up top together, and we have this incredible, you know, special effects bonanza. Yeah. I did think happening. the uh, – the and I guess they're just, you know, out in the middle of the ocean, and there's no pollution or anything, but the – the sky and the stars in the sky, I felt, were so, so vibrant that yeah. the compositing of the sky was almost, like, distracting uh, yeah. behind the actors. Like, that hadn't been perfected yet in 1996. Yeah, it is weird that, considering all the water effects, in some ways, the worst thing in, that looks weird in this movie is the sky. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's because that's, as you said, there's that's not composite. I mean... That's not real. <laughs> and the, uh, Are we seeing like the you... second go at the sky too? Oh, of the sky? Of yeah, because didn't, didn't that nerd Tyson complain about it and Cameron changed it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he changed uh, it later on, like yeah, like in a yeah. special edition type thing, or or maybe it was yeah. Wow. So the star field above uh, Rose. Uh, would not have been the same one as the one of the real passenger that Latch and Lange shoot at that time already. of the day let's, in 1912 would this. have seen. That's what Tyson noted. I wish that Cameron had just spelled out F-U Neil deGrasse Tyson in this guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so here, <laughs> here's what James Cameron said about it. He said, Neil deGrasse Tyson sent me a quite a snarky email saying that at the time of the year in that position in the Atlantic in 1912 when Rose is lying on the piece of driftwood and staring up at the stars, that is not the star field she would have seen. And with my reputation as a perfectionist, I should have known that, and I should have put the right star field in. So oh, I said, all right, God. send me the right stars for that exact time, and I'll put it in the movie. Uh, and that's the So I think that's only when she's on the, the door, and that is the only major technical change he made oh to it. Oh, my gosh. I know there's a I bunch know. of weird touch-up stuff he did that no one can even notice, but this, I saw some blog entry detail that we can link to it. Because I, I do yeah. know that for the 2012 or the, the 3D release, yeah, yeah, he did a bunch of stuff. I've got a theory. Okay, this has given James Cameron a lot of credit. I think he's like, if I indulge Neil deGrasse Tyson with with this and I change it, that will encourage him to point out every inaccuracy in every movie he sees from now on, and then everyone mm-hmm. will gradually come to hate him. So the, and it, that has exactly what has happened. Yes, that's so true. So it's all it's all James Cameron's master plan. Yep, he he gave Tyson just enough of an ego boost to fuel his own self destruction. He got you know you got to have ego to know ego. So so Andy, do you have anything else on this minute? Um, well, and just doing a little bit of research and going back down the the James Cameron wormhole a bit. Yeah, I did. I found it really funny that like in his formative years, he had made a student film called Xenogenesis, which is a completely synthetic plastic James Cameron name for something. Yeah, and then that he went full tilt and raised you know, all this money, they rented a 35 millimeter camera, like studio lenses, everything. And then he dismantled the camera to understand how to operate it. And the first, uh, day of shooting, half of the day was, uh, spent trying to figure out how to get the camera back together and run. <laughs> that is the most James Cameron like, story I've ever heard. Yeah. Which I was like that completely, 
that says everything about this guy. It's like, I don't know why he, I mean, he had worked in visual effects, you know, early on. I don't know why he's not just like a DP or. He was a, wasn't he a Roger Corman protege? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. He, um, he did all the special effects on, uh, uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, and I'm a huge Roger Corman like disciple. Mm. I I just love that. Um, I guess like crazy ingenuity to to make something happen and and yeah. and figure it out, you know, in an indie film sense. So I mean, the so list it's... the list of people that Corman has mentored or helped oh, out it's is crazy, astonishing. It's yeah. aston- It's like Coppola, Cameron, uh, yeah. just Ron to Howard. start. Yeah, Joe Dante, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, pretty much all those kind of Bogdanovich, the the Curtis new Hansen. the new Hollywood movement of the seventies and the very Jonathan late Demme. 60s. Yep. Wow, that's nuts. That's a crazy list. And it and the best part of that it was all really crappy monster movies. Like it, there's something so beautiful about that. And car crash movies and stuff. Yeah, too. yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just total teen exploitation movies that were just made on the cheap. But he was, but to Corman's credit, he would listen to people and he knew, you know, he, he's not, uh, full of himself. He knows good ideas. He knows talent and he hired good people, hired hired the, the best, literally the best people. Yeah. Um, Andy, what, what is your, what is your Titanic story? Um, my Titanic story is kind of a weird sad <laughs> tale um so i mean at the time like when this came out i was 21 and i was actually in film school and um i've been working in film now for almost 20 years and uh okay. so you know like i was one of those like tarantino kids when that you know when that was huge and just sure. really going out and like seeing everything and you know even as like a senior in high school, really starting to get out to like art house movie theaters and, and, and that whole boom was happening, like almost at the right age yeah. that I was when, you know, every, it's almost like every um, dickhead in the world wanted to be like a film director, like a garage <laughs> band. Yeah. Uh, because of Reservoir Now all those dickheads want to have podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, uh, so it was that whole scene, and I, it's like I resisted it a little bit at the time that this came out, but I'm always really open to everything, too, and not just being a, like a hater. So I'm always fascinated when something is a phenomenon, mm-hmm. like why, how or why is that happening? And uh, I actually saw this movie um, at South Shore in the Milwaukee area by myself. So I, because wow. it's like, I, I don't know that I necessarily wanted to ask somebody to go with me to see Titanic. Sure. And, uh, I also think I was just going to like investigate it on a technical level and just take it in. So I, I, I don't know. I like going to the movies by myself too. So I sat yeah. by myself in a packed theater at South shore, just watching Titanic and taking it in. And the, as much as I think this movie's just kind of vanilla in a, in a lot of ways. Like I do remember sure. that day pretty vividly. Yeah. I would imagine if you sat there by yourself to just take this in technically, it must've been like, wow, what is, how, how did they do this? Like what's happening here? Yeah. Or just the scale of it that I, I knew he had already like blown all that money and like, 
Yeah. That was, you know, this was like a movie of, that was like, it's one of the, at that time, one of the rare movies that was in the press, you know, that this yeah, was maybe well the, like the third movie that ever hit the press after Heaven's Gate. And, um, what, why am I blanking out now? Oh, and Waterworld. Oh, yeah, where it's, you know, like before the general movie audience, we didn't know how much movies cost. We didn't know how much money they made. And then like around this time, that's when that like narrative starts to happen, which I think is like a bad thing in a lot of ways. I mean, it's I don't know. Sometimes it's like a basketball statistic or you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe Black Panther made this and that. And that's kind the of 90s interesting. But was where the, the idea of the box office horse race really began to get out of control. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, fifth graders now that say, oh, this is the number one movie in America. I never said that about Goonies or it probably never yeah. even was <laughs> the number one movie you know what i mean like i didn't yeah. care it was like the goonies were awesome and i saw it and i, that was I it. think it used to be much more of a if you were like a really huge nerd you might look at box office stuff you on monday now it's just come you'll in get, and you'd read it there there's like hour by hour <laughs> there's hour by hour tracking and there's mm-hmm. like marvel versus dc box office contingents and it's oh my gosh it's bizarre it's an it's a new world yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it is kind of just hurting movies in general. So, I don't know, we have that. We have Titanic to thank for that, too, I guess, for pushing <laughs> it further. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then and then I guess, I guess uh, finally, I you know, we introduced you, Andy. We mentioned Mana Lucha, which for Joe and I is a big deal uh, every year for us. Can you uh, let our listeners know a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so we're one of the, like, biggest indie wrestling shows in the midwest and the country and um it's kind of um i don't know hipster is not the right word but it's just like a a a reimagined version of like really crazy characters crazy storytelling version of pro wrestling mixed in with special musical guests international burlesque stars and it's kind of a you know a new age version of insane vaudeville that we do and that happens uh, mostly in Milwaukee although we've played a couple other cities Um, and we do some smaller events but our our big uh, kind of centerpiece prestige show is every September at Turner Hall and uh, yeah we're always just so thrilled to see you guys there you guys are like (laughs) you're in like the Mondalucha fan hall of fame for sure (laughs) we uh, any of our list, any of our members of steerage have seen pictures of us as like nuns or uh pandas or um waldo or Oddla if you're yeah. joe that's all from mondalucha <laughs> no i i remember i came to vanguard after the last show <laughs> yes. and there was um john morrison who's our champ who's you know kind of a, a well-known Sure. person from the WWE and all these other people hanging out and then literally an army of Waldos having a <laughs> dance party and I was just kind of like wow like I have a hand in creating a night like this I could just I don't know I could yeah, die was... tomorrow and it's I'm all taken care of I'm very <laughs> lucky the way that Mondalucha's <laughs> working out, worked out so 
it's great. It's fun. So I well, mean, if anyone wants out. to find us this year, you just yeah. get a metal detector and find <laughs> the highest concentration of aluminum in oh, the building, <laughs> and it is absolutely going to be by my our group. It always is. It's unbelievable. This year is the tenth anniversary. So the fact yeah. that we've um, lasted a decade and it's almost like bigger than it's ever been is is mind boggling. So this one's going to be fun. I can't wait. Oh man. That's awesome. Yeah, neither can we. Uh, Andy, thanks a lot for being on. I loved it. I'm, I love the show, and, and you guys are legitimately funny. It's so hard to be funny, and you guys like <laughs> truly, truly are funny and can carry a show. Thank well, you. thank you. Thanks, thank man. Uh, and, uh, and listeners, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, Minute 164. Come on.